0: Hello and welcome back to the Three Wise Monkeys podcast, a weekly podcast that's all about the markets and investing. My name is Andrew Page, founder of strawman.com and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Matt Joss from mattjoss.com. Thank you, Andrew. Very happy to be here. And Claude Walker from ethicalequities.com.au. Hello. Guys, great to have you here. Matt, we're going to try and do three topics three. this week. What have, what have we got for our listeners? Uh, So we're going to
1: do EnviroSuite. Andrew's going to give us the rundown on a company he's very interested in for a while called EnviroSuite. Claude is going to share a company that's done a fair bit of research on Media, And I am going to talk about a company shooting stuff in a space called Rocket Lab.
0: Shooting stuff into space. Does it get any better than that?
1: Yeah. So maybe to get started, Andrew... Uh, you could give us a, a rundown on EnviraSuite.
0: Okay. So let me give you uh, a quick two or three minute pitch. And then I would welcome it very much if you guys could challenge me on this or All ask right. any follow-up questions I'm here. I'm starting
2: the uh, timing.
0: Oh, we've got a timer. Go. A three timer. minutes. Look out. All right. Ding, go ding, ding. Go. ding. So, EnviroSuite, <laughs> it was formerly an environmental consulting business, which developed a bit of a kit in-house that sort of helps measure, track, and even forecast a wide array of different environmental pollutants. Uh, it became a pretty big deal in and of itself, so they decided to sell off the consulting part of the business, focused purely on this SaaS Product still very very early days the business only worth about 28 million dollars in terms of its market cap but importantly these guys have some really important reference sites and the annualized recurring revenue is growing at a rate of knots Um, just a quick step back what their clients are really uh, anything that's from a port uh, water utility mines agricultural operations any kind of customer that has a need to monitor and plan operations around all kinds of different uh, environmental emissions and this is super super important because these guys tend to operate under fairly uh strict regulatory compliance guidelines here and there can be some fairly stiff fines too if they don't meet those so they're already in the process of measuring and monitoring that kind of stuff but it's done in a very old school kind of way and this software really is a game changer so these guys can uh, read any kind of sensor that's out in the field they can point it to their platform and you're up and running really within 24 to 48 hours or so so uh big market opportunity these guys talking about three to four billion dollars uh any small cap company will talk about that kind of uh, that kind of runway, but what's I think encouraging here is that these guys are absolutely delivering. Uh, they've doubled their annual recurring run rate. They're going to do that. I hope to do that again this year and again the year after that. Qualified sales pipeline shows that they're well uh, able to do that. Uh, Tracking a little bit behind pace at this point in time, but just last week, gentlemen, these guys had a, uh, in fact this week I should say, actually had a pretty big announcement in terms of their first citywide deal uh, over in Kuwait here with the customer saying that this is just an an early trial and if successful there is potential for significant rollout. So very, very sexy, very, very exciting. I think shares are worth 10 cents conservatively with a lot of upside, but this is most definitely a multi-year hold this has not insignificant risks associated to it it should be pointed out that it's fairly liquid shares are extremely volatile but for those able to ride through that and who really are operating on a three to five year time frame i think things look pretty good right now
1: excellent wow How was that two and a Ca- half minutes two and a half minutes Whew,
2: do you wanna maybe keep on staying on your positive scheme before we ask some tough questions? Please no, ask away. Um, right. Ask away. Do you, well, you have an have idea first. when profit might come if you exclude a bunch of costs?
0: Well you don't actually need to exclude a bunch of costs here, unlike some other companies. So these guys are not profitable at the moment, very well uh, pointed out. Um they did a capital raise recently. I wasn't hundred percent happy with the quantum and the price that they were really raising at that was that my three minutes. That was three minutes yes. Um uh but yeah look they've got plenty of cash in the bank they believe that in fact if they come anywhere close to hitting their their forecasts um they'll be break even within really the next 18 months two years or so
1: excellent so two years write it down in your diary. in <laughs> two
2: years <laughs> subject to change InVira Suite is supposed to be profitable Guaranteed.
0: that's that's what they're
1: saying so, so Andrew how much of the business is recurring so you mentioned recurring revenue is it all recurring it's or is not it, all yeah, recurring. recurring so, so there's still
0: a good part of that is um, there's a there are, uh, there's a hardware component and there's okay. a software okay. component by far and away the software component is the majority of it they have virtually 100% retention I should have pointed out before the only time they've lost a client is when that mine has shut down or is no longer uh in operation uh the recurring part of they don't actually disclose that separate separately but it would be up around the 70% mark at least, I would imagine. Okay. Um, You'd so like to imagine? Uh, or you think uh, <laughs> I, I, I think it is. For, but okay, you can do some cool. back-of-the-envelope calculation. Right, it changes because, for example, this most recent deal that they had actually involved 90 different sensors, what they call e-noses, electronic noses. Um, this sort of comes out of uh, their acquisition of Odatech recently, plus a bit of their own proprietary tech. Um, so when they have a hardware-software deal, the margins aren't quite as good, and then there is, there is a certain... Certainly an upfront component, but for a lot of them, most of them, they are using existing sensors in the field. That's already there from the clients and then there's a much higher margin and a much higher recurring revenue component to it. But a high proportion, Matthew. It has all of the characteristics that you tend to associate with with uh, with a standard software as a service business.
2: Nice. How long have they been listed and what's their uh, history there? They've been what listed, does that tell us?
0: They've been listed for a very long time, but in terms of being listed as in their current incarnation as a software business, they've only been around for a bit over a year or so. Right. So they so were a very different business. I see your previous angle here. You're like, "Oh
2: no, don't look past one year back." <laughs> It's not like the personnel's completely changed like there's a new CEO but he was also previously the CEO back in the past.
0: CEO is Peter White. He yeah. did leave the business I'm going to say about 18 months or so or maybe 2 years ago. He came back after they repositioned themselves that was always supposedly his passion that's but what if he wanted to do with yeah, the Yeah, no, I, I
2: definitely think it's getting better but I think the real ca- the reason this is cheap I think when even if you're buying and look honestly I have actually briefly I owned Invirus Suite. I bought it around current prices and sold it when it when it got pumped up right before a capital raising. Um, but I think the reason it's cheap is because it has a long history of disappointing people. And Matt once wrote an article, six signs companies are dud." A number one sign, I think, you know, bear, it bears repeating. It goes, dilution might just be the dirtiest word in investing and it can strike Right, when you least expect it. <laughs> and I think that happened with the most recent capital raising as well. You, I don't think, were expecting it. People weren't expecting no, it. No,
0: that's not true. Uh, everyone, I think oh, it was true. very widely expected. Yeah, it's true. To, actually, that's
2: right. I expected yeah. it as well. Yeah. Content, now that I remember. Well, what was, I, thought, what was, I thought was a bit disappointing. <laughs> that's about why I it sold, they though. I expected it, and so I sold before they announced it.
0: Well, they raised at seven and a half cents. I felt as though that was too cheap for what they had been delivering. But you could um, argue they, they did a good 10 job, ten million, which I think was pr- probably more than what they needed to do. But it seems like they got a good price. Like
2: now, it's below that the share price.
0: Well, that would be a bad price for those that purchase. But yes, I take your point. The, don't forget, this thing moves around. The other day when this announcement came up, was up twenty five percent in one day. You know, it'll be down eight percent on another. You'll see an average trading day, which might be twenty or thirty thousand dollars worth of shares. So, is it volatile? Absolutely. This thing has gone from like five cents to 11 cents in the last 12 months and every which way in between. So mm-hmm. it is gonna move around a lot. So I'm not going just, I don't want anyone to sort of go into this thinking it's gonna be a nice smooth ride. Even under the fundamentals of the business itself is going to be particularly lumpy. They're gonna be getting a lot of small deals and every now and again, like this most recent one, a very, very large multi-million dollar, multi-year kind of deal. So things are not gonna be smooth with this, which is why I would never, ever, ever advocate buying this for anything less than a three year time frame. But my point being is if that sales uh, trajectory comes in anywhere near what they're saying and you look at this business three, five years out, this is legitimately a business that could be earning 30 to $40 million in annual recurring revenue so- at that point in time. Um, then I think the shares represent good value relative to that.
1: So you mentioned that it could be um, kind of up and down because they could win one contract and then they might not win one for another. But what about yep. the what about the down? What's the risks for this? What would cause you particularly to change your mind and say, I got this one Excellent wrong? Excellent question. And you and be? I had
0: a conversation a couple of weeks ago where we were saying it's really worthwhile to outline yes, this what is true. actually what constitutes you to a broken thesis. So... I think the, the big thing to watch here, they've done a lot in terms of proving out the viability of the product in, ter- mm-hmm. in terms of whether there is a legitimate market there, whether people will pay for it, whether it delivers values at clients. I think that's actually been crossed. And now it's really just a question of how fast they can roll those sales out. But it's, if, if they fall materially short of their targets, and there's no good reason for that, that would prompt a very big rethink and mm. significant it not only pushes break even back significantly, but it also just inherently lowers the valuation as well. So, so if I if I saw if I saw a, a stagnation in that sales growth, I'd yeah. be quite worried.
1: Okay. So if I see low sales growth, that's when I should stage an intervention and try and save you from yourself.
0: They believe, <laughs> yes, yeah, please. They they believe that they're on track for 6 million in annualized recurring revenue yeah. in the current year.
1: And if that flat uh, line...
0: like let's be realistic, you know, the, the, this is a very hard thing to forecast. So, you know, the company is not going to get it right. Maybe it's a bit above that, maybe it's a bit low, maybe it's a lot below that. Mm. So, you know, if it misses by 10 or 15, even 20%, I think that's normally within the the range that you might expect here. But if, if that is, is falling materially short and if you're seeing uh, the, the forward-looking uh, guidance from there being pulled back a lot, that would definitely be room for worry.
2: It would appear, you know, this is an example of the craziness of the market and how this one's on, you know, three or four times annualized recurring revenue and then you've got Volpara, which, disclosure, I own, which is on like 100 times forecast. And I was like, so 20 times forecast. Recurring revenue. Yeah, it's
0: a low multiple of recurring
2: and revenue. And 100 times past mm. something But like And we're talking forecasts. So, evens is like mm. 20 times and this one's like four times. Or you have to ask... Forecast, but yeah. I see yeah, well, yeah, forecast yeah. in both cases. Yep. So, you have to ask yourself, you know, is one really that much better quality than the other? Mm. And if you ask me, it's an example of the market putting a premium on, I guess, management track record.
0: With Volpara? Yeah, with Volpara and
2: like the opposite with EnviroSuite because it has been listed many years yeah, and it's had, I guess, some mishaps. There's been some a lot of uh, transactions where the actual leadership or the the people that own the company or on the board of the company, they have been doing transactions with the company, like lending the company money at certain interest rates and that sort of thing, which generally does just scare the market off, mm-hmm. especially in micro cap land, because it's open to the value going to yes. some individuals, but not everybody.
0: Yeah. That's a totally fair point. Just very quickly on that. So Robin Ormond, who's the um, founder, is still there. He's the chief technology officer now. So he's very much moved to the R&D side of things where his passion is. He owns about 12% of the, of the company. So still a very major part of that. Um, when they were in a consulting company, their main risk there was key person risk. They did issue a number of options there, and you could argue that some of them were pretty generously priced. They have not issued new options under the current structure, and the vast majority of options options are well out of the money. I would suspect any shareholder would happy to see those existing. Most of those options. Uh, uh, Exercised because the share price would have to be materially above where it is now for that to be worthwhile. Yeah, so
2: that's one thing that I guess gives me hesitation. And the, the second part is that it, did did you notice that uh, general administrative costs went up quite strongly year on year? Is that a concern? Yep. Do you do you have an expectation around costs flattening? Yep. Or are they going to keep going up? Yeah.
0: So like so many other companies, they have very much bulked up uh, their spend, and a big part of that in R and a big part of that in sales as well. Um, they believe that they've got the cost base now in, pa- in place to underpin at least hitting that $12 million target in a couple of years' time.
2: Cool. Well, um, interesting stock. Yeah, yeah. As, as I said, interesting <laughs> stock. I, um, I wouldn't rule out buying a game myself one day. Yeah, like yeah I, I think
0: you raised some valid points. It's, look, it's, it's definitely moved around quite a bit, but I just think at this point it's, it's undervalued. Yeah, Let's excellent. move on, though. What yeah. are we going to do next,
2: Jens? I think
1: Claude can give us uh, a pitch or perhaps an anti-pitch about Media.
2: Yeah, right. So this is actually a company that I have followed for a few months now and and been researching. But part of the reason that I haven't talked about it is because I've been looking at it more from the perspective of what can I do to hedge the risk that there's a broader sell-off. So we've had a very volatile market lately. I think when I checked in the last two months, the market was down something like 8%. My portfolio is also down and I basically am looking for ways in which I can minimize the impact of any broader market sell-off or especially I'm worried about the impacts a falling property market might have on Australia. Now, one of the ways that I have discovered that I think is a good way to hedge against the risk that the Australian market is going to crash, basically, is Omedia. Uh, and and that's what do,
0: the, what do I media do? So
2: O media are like outdoor advertising. But there are some other features of this company that really make it a prime candidate to get smashed in the event that the economy actually slows. So first among first amongst that is that there's not a whole bunch of short interest in the company right now. So according to ASIC's last disclosure, it's like half a percent of the company is sold short. So there's not a popular, crowded short. It's not a situation where there are already lots of people betting on its decline. So that tells you, that doesn't tell you that it's necessarily overpriced, but it tells you that there's not a whole lot of negative sentiment already about that company. Secondarily, it, it basically got into a bidding war with one of its listed rivals, APN to buy another company, which is an ad shell. Yep. At a multiple that they advertised and boasted was an EV, a bit to multiple of 11.6 times pre-synergies or 8.7 times post-synergies. So that 8.7 is a made-up multiple. The real multiple is 11.6. They say, and it's quite plausible, that they'll get some benefit from combining the businesses. But that's the real multiple. And that is a high multiple too. Mm -hmm. Like you, your, your, you know, catapult or whatever is trading (laughs) on, it's trading on like three times that. So... Their to forecast, which excludes the costs of the Ad Cell acquisition, is ninety nine ninety nine million. So once you like factor in debt, that's an E V to Abitta to mo- multiple of over ten times based on their forecast made up imaginary abitta. Now you've got Again, tech stocks, like software companies that are out of favor, are, we a, a, a are four we are times. We're
0: well over our three minutes. How come <laughs> I got an alarm? It's time for, it's time well, for I the tough questions. You're uh, like four and a, and a half minutes in. <laughs> I, I actually <laughs> looked Andrew at has it. A, if
1: Andrew has a tough question, now is the time to jump in.
0: Um, so I just, just so I know, uh, you're basically, you don't like this because you think it's very exposed to the Australian economy. I'd agree with you there and you think the australian economy is in imminently due for a, a pretty hard time plus they've made a very large acquisition re- recently that they overpaid for yeah okay
2: good question yes okay
0: so are you not worried though when it comes to sort of shorting um things there's there's a timing element to it let's say that there the any economic pain in australia is further off than you might anticipate we've got the consensus guidance here for some pretty strong growth uh, revenue was up 11% in the recent half. They increased their dividend by about 12%. Um, they're trading. If you yeah, just but look I'm saying the, that
2: they're overvalued based on the forecast numbers that they've given.
0: Right, but what I, I guess what I'm saying is is that if the short thesis comes undone if there isn't any wider economic impact if this is business as usual yeah. so that's correct the whole th- this thesis, is actually the whole you, some thesis, might even argue it's cheap
2: yeah completely well I don't know about that but the whole thesis completely relies on the fact that this is something that I would only short because I'm worried out about a broader hit to the Australian stock market and the Australian economy so Part of the research was looking at what happened to these outdoor advertising companies in the US during the GFC. And the biggest two listed companies in the US, um, Clear Channel Outdoor Holdings and Lamar, both fell 95% in the GFC. Mm. 95% because it is a competitive market. The share prices fell 95%? The yeah? share prices fell 90%, both mm. 95%, which was an exaggeration on their actual earnings. But both companies went from making profit into loss. Mm. Um,
0: they, are, they are very cyclical and I suppose there's a lot of operating leverage in there that, you know, there's a lot of fixed costs you can't do away with. Advertising yeah. so, revenues so fall away. Free Channel under-
2: Outdoor went from making about a dollar per share in profit in or a bit under a dollar per share in profit in 20, 2007 to making a loss of over $7 per share. Lamar went from a profit of 50 cents per share to pretty much just break even. And then in 2009 made a loss of over 50 cents per sh- mm. share.
1: And the share price fell 95. I mean, they must be yeah. close to bankruptcy, right? Yeah, There's so they had, had debt disinvolve. as well. They had yeah, debt as right.
2: well. So suddenly, and, and so does Omedia. Omedia doesn't have quite as much debt as I would have liked because they quite cleverly did this big capital raising to fund the ad shell acquisition. So it would be so much sweeter as a short if they'd loaded up on more debt. But kudos to management there. They were smart enough to make sure that they were conservatively geared so that's not a big part of the thesis for me Mm. a big part of the thesis is that basically they are a big enough player now that they're going to be affected by um overall economic conditions in australia and basically advertising itself is leveraged to over overall economic conditions in in the boom times or in a strong economic time advertisers are competing with each other for a finite amount of outdoor advertising space when the economy slows down, everyone's suddenly that much less keen and they have to start dropping their prices. It's probably
1: the first thing you cut, right? Because it's like you're, you're making losses. It takes a long... Especially outdoor advertising. It's not directly tied to anything, right? It's not yeah. like paying a salesperson to go and make that commission. It's like brand advertising. So and I it's
2: also it. something that you might do more when you're launching a new product or you've got a new special thing that you really want to get out there, a new promotion, a new rebrand or whatever it is. You just want people to see it. It's not necessarily mm. tied to a sale, as you say, but you get a lot of impressions,
1: Claude, why not short the banks? So I, I, I guess um, I understand the thesis. I'm just wondering, is there a more direct way? Like why go Yeah, yeah. Route? So
2: the, you could also short the banks. The, the problem is, for me, the banks um, are basically just one exposure that also have different moving parts. And also the banks, like Commonwealth Bank, for example, which, by the way, I should disclose, I am also short through options. So I do agree. Yes, short the banks as a hedge is something that I do. But the problem with that is that Commonwealth Bank is this amazing, you know, brand that so many people are locked into. Like, I use Commonwealth Bank. And even despite all of their terrible stuff in the media about how they've treated their customers poorly, I still use Commonwealth Bank. Yeah, because of their really strong brand positioning, their really sticky relationships with customers, it's so much deeper Mm. our love affair as a nation with the banks than it is with, like, outdoor advertising billboards.
0: I'll ask you the same question that that Matt asked me. What what dictates a broken thesis in this instance? So you're currently short at this point in time. Yeah. So what what would you have to see for you to so go if you're to close short that selling
2: position? a broken thesis? Is the, is the share price going up too much? Mm-hmm. That that is a broken thesis because unlike when you're investing long in a. In the stock market, you've got time on your side. You're trying to pick high-quality businesses. You're going to buy the shares. And you're really just watching the thesis. There's no cost of holding, none of that. When you're short-selling, you have a cost of essentially borrowing or however you're getting the exposure. And also, the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. And then thirdly, there's unlimited losses. Except if you're buying puts, which is how I short the banks, which is a safe safer way of shorting Mm -hmm. if you're actually just short you have unlimited potential exposure so ultimately you have to start covering when your exposure gets more than is safe so yeah when short selling just the share price moving too much in the wrong direction means that you're wrong in my opinion so what's happened is I've started shorting Omedia at about $4.80 and it's continued to fall for the last the whole time I've been researching it and I've continued to add to my short position the economics of Doing that basically means that you're feeding profits that you've made into the position further. So that did so you that's say you started
0: shorting at 480?
2: Yes. Oh, so yeah. you're
0: already well up then?
2: Yeah. So I've made a fair bit of profit, but I've
0: yeah. continued
2: to short it more. Mm. So I'm, if anything, just like I could le- lose all that profit if it goes up heaps, right. and I, I, very quickly. I don't intend to do that because if it goes up a certain amount, I'll just cut it before I've lost very very much money.
1: Last question for me: What is that ceiling? How do you decide where that um, where that limit is? What's your thinking around that? So the
2: so the biggest thing that would change it is if it moved up on results that I thought were good, and and then secondly, it it it's really just a matter of if it's if it's enough that I it's basically. I don't, I don't have a set limit. It's just going to depend on the circumstances. Like mm. they put out an announcement the other day. I thought it was meaningless. The share price went up 5 cent. I like don't didn't worry. do anything. Mm. But at the same time, if it moves up on news, that's quite good. I might be very quick to cover, cover myself there basically. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Cool.
0: Let's turn to space travel. Yeah. Um, we talking SpaceX? <laughs> You're trying to tease me? No, yeah? oh, no,
1: that's just SpaceX. That's all no, about SpaceX is no, it? No, no, no. Talking about Rocket Lab? Rocket Lab, yeah. So Rocket Lab's a Kiwi slash US company um, sending stuff into space, as mentioned. Um, recently wrote it up at my my blog, so I'll put that in the notes. But it's a super interesting company. Uh, because it's de- democratizing access to space. Ooh. So for a very long time, right, back in the 60s, we first put a man on the moon. A few years later, about three years later, I think was the last time that we sent someone to the moon. Um, and since then, not really we that need much to go has back. happened. We need to go we back. We need to go back. But... Uh, but what's wha- the reason for that is that the economics don't make sense. So there's a huge billion, multi-billion dollar cost to put anything into space. Mm-hmm. And that's finally starting to change, thanks to private companies. One of those companies is SpaceX, and the other is Rocket Lab. So only two companies have sent something into orbit, and those are them. Okay. And so Rocket Lab is doing it in quite a different way to SpaceX, though. And it's focusing on the small satellite market. So it's... Uh, it's focusing on these tiny satellites some of them are cubesat 10 by 10 centimeters tiny yeah and yeah. A, a constellation of thousands of these satellites potentially yeah that can render all sorts of uh, near earth services so mm-hmm. it's like uh, yeah it's like the first uh, days of the internet i guess um in terms of like the potential capabilities that we could get out of this we still don't really know what's what's going to come right um but yeah so they're a super interesting company and they've done it as a Kind of startup, so they've rethought the entire industry model. They started with a blank sheet of paper, went through, um, you know, reinvented everything about it: 3D printing, carbon fiber, electric rocket engines, all this stuff. Yes. Uh, and that allows them because they can mass produce these small rockets to launch incredibly frequently. Also, out of the east coast of New Zealand, there's not too much air traffic, so they're going to be launching. Last year, there was 20. On oh, 2017, there was 27 rocket launches out of the US in the entire country the whole year. Rocket Lab's planning to do one a week by the end of next year and going to be doing one every 72 hours out in New Zealand by the time they're done. So incredible pace and all of that is kind of feeding on itself in this flywheel of lower costs, which kind of opens the door for everyone. So a few reasons why I'm interested. One, just a super interesting company. Yep. Unfortunately, it's not public. And it's a Kiwi company. And it's a Klu- oh, have already yeah, worked out there's a, something pattern, going on there. a pattern here. But um I'm super interested in that space 2.0, which it's facilitating. So I think there's gonna be a huge amount um, of new industries that can be spawned by this. Mm-hmm. A startup can launch a satellite now for like 80 grand. Um so it's like completely changes the game Strawman's so getting its own i'm just so. to get to know that um hopefully one day at all ipo and just interested in the strategy they've deployed i think they're really they're adopting the same strategy as amazon which is kind of slow is steady and steady is fast they're yep. building up heavy investment now for long-term payoff and it's starting to pay off so
0: yeah are the rockets reusable no they're not reusable okay yeah and it's just cheap because they're cheap to make And they're able to deliver a lot more payload for separate separate clients, I suppose. Yeah,
1: so it's a lot of things all the way through. It's kind of the whole business model was thought about to be low cost Mm. and high frequency. So they're not reusable, but they're made to be mass produced. So a typical rocket takes a huge amount of man hours, and this was one huge seventy meter long thing. Yeah. Rocket Labs rockets are about sixteen meters tall. They can be once they've once they've been kind of designed, that mm. after that it becomes extremely easy to produce them comparatively. Right. Okay. Much cheaper. They use three D printing, so you know that mass, that produces a lot of an labor manufacturing and it's additive process. rather than subtractive. So a lot yeah. of those things um, mean that their costs are actually the same price as rideshare with one of these huge rockets. Yep. But you get to the exact place you're trying to go, which is pretty important if you want to be orbiting around a particular area and like meshing together a constellation. You need precision in where you're going to.
0: Super interesting.
2: Um. So the one of the key innovations of the company is apparently they can launch rockets by battery.
1: So they have a battery powered rocket engine. So, what that, yeah. So that's, I, I. <laughs> God, let me <laughs> I just say, like, thing.
2: I, I, obviously, the proof <laughs> will be in a pudding. You can't fake putting someone's <laughs> satellite up there but when i first read yeah. that i was
1: like hmm theranos yeah. it
2: was just a drop of blood <laughs> yeah. so but, yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: i should add that they have they've started commercial launches so i should add this is yeah, the yeah, guy yeah. on sunday they did their second commercial launch for nasa so yes something unless it's but a very if it wasn't for fraud. that if it wasn't for that <laughs> yeah. that they have other yeah. actual scientists monitoring their success <laughs> i would be like yeah
2: okay yeah. good one
1: how's that possible so what it is they still use kerosene and liquid oxygen but traditionally a rocket uses a gas powered engine to mix those together at high pressure. So that's the part that's battery powered. So I thought the same thing. You can't have a battery-powered rocket. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the part that's battery-powered, and they the the big problem with it was that you could you're taking up so much weight when you bring batteries with it, and that battery tech was obviously been pretty heavy a few years ago. That's been declining so fast. Yeah, so that, so that was one of the points I liked
2: down. most yeah. about your article on it was that actually then they should just naturally benefit from all the work mm-hmm. other people are doing on making better yeah, battery technology. The march of
1: human progress, hundred percent. Like that's like, yeah, that's like a change. that's a tailwind there. Yeah, right. yeah. So I assume
0: they're not profitable. Uh, so
1: they' um, they've been venture funded today. they've mm-hmm. raised over two hundred and forty million. they just raised another round. but so this um, is part your.
2: Your fund, it's going to get some, it's going I to get it. some pre-IPO, <laughs> yeah. right?
1: Peter Beck, if you're listening, yeah. Um, so they're they're not profitable right now, but when I, I had a call with Peter Beck, the CEO, and he said that they were expecting to be profitable by or cash flow positive by the end of the year with only a couple of launches in wow. at that stage. Yeah. So uh, to me, from my analysis, I think they're going to when they hit scale one a week, they'll be massively cash flow positive. Yep. I think they've done all the work now, and then the costs of actually launching the rocket are pretty low. It's more like the field, um, like all the monitoring things, the launch bases, yep. <laughs> complexes, and all that kind of stuff. So,
0: yeah, very so exciting. Cool. Try to get in on that one. Well, <laughs> we, I, well, maybe we'll be it's able like to we one missed day out on share site. So, uh, what, what's, what's the, um, what's the one thing that you think people miss about Rocket Lab that they don't get? SpaceX Space X gets all the attention. What's um. <laughs> Bezos is one called again. Uh, uh, Blue Origin. Blue Origin. Yeah. Thank but they you. haven't done a launch, have they? Uh Blue Origin
1: have l- they haven't gone to orbit. Oh, so okay. yeah, they've done launches, but they're yeah, I'll so get th- there. the other guys are all focusing on putting people up in a space. I think the thing that people miss is that Putting satellites, the small satellites up that Rocket Lab do is super important. So Peter Beck has a saying: "I don't ship meat," which means they n- they have no plans to ever send humans into space. But he thinks that by putting up these satellites, it's going to have a revolutionary impact on people on the ground and improve humanity for the better. So they're very like driven by that. Yeah. Um. So he talks about like like internet for the whole world. So you could have a constellation of satellites, so every part of Africa has high speed internet, high speed than we have in Australia. Australia could have high speed internet. Yeah, wow, that would <laughs> be nice. <laughs> <laughs> um. You yeah. know. Like the seven kilometers <laughs> of copper wire. hundred percent. Like uh, Earth observation, weather prediction, predicting natural disasters. Yep. Um, there's a lot of things that we just uh, don't think about. But with satellite internet's
2: laggy, right? You can't play games on that.
1: So traditionally it has been because this, they're using these big billion dollar satellites that are really far away. But with the low Earth orbit ones, these tiny ones, you can fly them very close to the Earth but you need a lot more of them. So you have like a thousand little satellites close to the earth. Right. And then it's not so laggy because it's not going
2: so, to New Zealand, small country, but big player in space junk.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about yeah. that. Yeah, there is, um, I've been, um, following actually this uh, pretty close. Unnecessarily. There was, a, there was a really good interview I caught <laughs> the other day. And it's one of those things that I know space junk has been sort of touted as a, as a problem, but it's actually getting to, did you the, call the wife in the really, there's a problem. We've got space junk. Yeah. Well, I'd look, I, I don't lose sleep over a lot of things but I mean lose sleep over this sell the house the, the, trouble, the fascinating thing about space junk is that there's a cascading effect that when this stuff starts to break up and there's a I forget the exact numbers but a lot of it out there yeah one smashes into a million pieces so now you've got one piece travelling at 30,000 kilometres a second and you've got 50 And then that hits more, which hits more. And then you actually get to a point where there'd be that much shrapnel flying around at insane speeds Mm -hmm. where something the size of a pea could just like rip through like, you know, a foot of platinum or something, making stuff up blatantly now. But the point remains, it it, it is... It's definitely
2: hampering Elon's mission to get to
0: Mars. It is, and Elon's talked about it as well. Is there a, is that something... That these guys need to worry about is this something a problem that they are contributing to yeah. or do you have any thoughts on yeah that? absolutely
1: so one they're very um passionate about reducing space junk so they try to consider themselves like a i don't know a conscious um capitalist part of that world cool. so they their most recent thing they um that extra booster they added deep orbit it itself
2: i personally am not convinced space junk's a bad thing <laughs> it's it a prevents, very bad thing if anyone leaves like, The why billionaires is it bad? leaving us like, I, don't, I don't want them to escape Like they're
0: going down <laughs> they're with us make- How yeah.
2: did you know my argument Before <laughs> <Yeah>. I <laughs> even said it
0: You know how I think So much of the services That we rely on I was on like satellites. Trap everyone in here Trap and the and billionaires like, Hey us. guess what There's you no escape the You're
2: going to have to Actually make it habitable
1: Yeah Um Yeah <laughs> the other, <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. Pro, <laughs> pro <laughs> Onto the next subject. Um, but yeah, the other thing is the low Earth orbit stuff tends to, they, they naturally decline out of Earth's orbit. So yep. the big stuff stays up there for a very long time because yep. it's far away. And this stuff is naturally coming back to Earth within a few years. So they're going to need to constantly launch more because well, they're good, coming good back guys, and burning right? up and not creating space. And strength, I guess at yeah.
0: 10 centimeters cubed, you, yeah, that's the you, other you, thing. you burn uh, up pretty quickly, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Much much lower chance of impact Than the rest of it. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, thank you. Okay, well done, New Zealand. Yeah, well done, New Zealand. Thanks for that, Matt. Um, Once it's successful, we'll just claim it as Australia's own. What do you reckon, Claude? We tend to do that, don't we? Yeah. So there's an Australian (laughs) company in twenty years There's an Australian (laughs)
2: company to be listed on the ASX, just like Zero, another great Australian company. Also, Volpara really done a great (laughs) job saving lives, saving lives. (laughs) Gents, sure. uh I think we're wrap, wrap it up. That's the shortest ever episode.
0: It's yes, it's short. And and by design, I think we I think we're a lot tighter this week. But which stay tuned thing.
2: for our special Christmas episode next week. Yes,
0: yeah, so we we will do one, but we, we I think we may take a break at one yeah. point throughout the Christmas yes, season we'll uh, let everyone just sort of you know decompress and then we'll be back bigger and better than ever next year so gents uh, as always thank you for your time remember listeners if you do want to get in touch with us that email address is 3 Podcast at gmail.com you can also reach me on twitter at Sage underscore Simeon Claude yourself Wait I'll
2: say my bit Basically Omedia is a bad stock And I would not own it for anything Disclosure I'm short <laughs> okay. That's all I have to say about that
0: Fair <laughs> enough Matt, and, uh, where can people, Are you, are where people want to read this blog on yeah, Oh, yeah, us? so
1: mattjoss.com, M A T T J O A S S.com. I wrote about, um, about Rocket Labs. So you can read it there. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, subscribe, just say, subscribe for some subscribe. more goodness. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, tell your friends about the podcast. You're chatting to people around the barbecue at Christmas time, that kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. it.
0: That's it. I like oh, it. Right. Word of mouth. Guys, thanks. You, thank you for your time, and we will catch up soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you.